I always just want to throw to those people and be like, they're not doing it for you. Well, that's <laughs> they're doing it because they think it's fun. They just yeah. think it's fun to pretend to be Lara Croft, okay? She doesn't look like Lara Croft. It's fine. Doesn't it's not for you. She feels like Lara Croft, you know? If you're like me, probably your main interaction with cosplay is going through photo galleries from a convention. I know that I always look forward to Norman Chan's gallery from Comic-Con when he goes every year. Um, but one of the things that we don't really think about all that often is the people that are cosplaying. Why are they doing it? What motivates them to go to set lengths to portray these characters? And especially when I've tried to think about the fact that you know, I have some deeply held issues about uh, gender and, and representation of women in games. You know, how do some of these people who dress in these costumes that are some of these characters that often we find uh, objectionable uh, then go and portray them at conventions? You know, what, what drives that? What are the motivations behind that? And it's way more complex than you would think, and there's a lot more nuance to it uh, than you might imagine. Uh, spoiler, uh, the reason uh, that you end up seeing people uh, dressed like that is because cosplay is all about accuracy. Uh, and I realize this is a long introduction to getting to say that I had a chance to have a really long, interesting conversation with Maddie Myers, who uh, is, I guess, as close as you get to professional cosplay uh, as you get without actually being in the commercial space. Uh, she's also an extremely talented uh, writer for Pace Magazine and another of other outlets. But I recently highlighted a piece of hers in Worth Reading in which she talked about sort of the space, uh, I guess the mind space uh, of a of a cosplayer, what motivates them uh, to want to put on these costumes. And it was just a fascinating chat. I'd like to explore the topic more, but I think as sort of a starting point, uh, this is a really fascinating conversation about what goes into this world that I really truly know so very little about. The pursuit of feedback uh, is is a dangerous thing. I, I have tried I have tried to go out of my way to shut down my desire to look. I at don't it. read it, but people send it to me. That's that's tough. Does that's that happen to you? Like people email me and they're like, "Hey, so these people are on Reddit are talking about you," and I can't not click that, even though I would never have sought it out myself. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's just <laughs> I think that's just natural, right? Like, I mean, you you. If you, you know, writing or, or, or making videos, like, you know, just like making games or anything else is a creative endeavor. And like, you don't do it in a vacuum. I mean, you do it for yourself, yes. but you know, I mean, like you hope that someone gets something out of it. And so when people are talking about it, you know, I think it's healthy to seek that out, but also, uh, it's not so much that it's a narcissism, but it is a, it's just when you watch people break apart every little thing you say, Especially when like people start to get really mean and getting into you know like what you look like and how you say things like it's just it's not it doesn't help you you don't need to be there like it's just it, but it's a really deep rabbit hole that you can go down sometimes. Totally, and it's funny that you should say that because the whole point of this interview is that you feel like you don't understand cosplay, but everything you just said could be perfectly applicable to your life if you were a cosplayer because well, a lot of the social yeah. interactions online are very similar to being a journalist in, in certain ways or to being a game critic or any other kind of public figure. Because you put your work out there and in so doing, you're going to have people saying that you just want attention or you're just seeking to be clickbait. But that isn't necessarily, I mean, what does that even mean? Just want attention? Like who doesn't want attention? It, that's like a basic part of being human, right? You want to make mm -hmm. friends, you want to seem cool. But also, you just want to have fun, right? I mean, it's it's just ugh, this whole idea of attention. I noticed that some people that commented on your post where you linked me were talking about that, and I thought it was really interesting, just that whole idea. I mean, it's something that obviously women have to deal with in a slightly different way than men do online. Right, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm sure you've noticed. And that happens in the <laughs> oh, cosplay... I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it happens in the cosplay community, too, because... It's, it's socially acceptable more for women to take on a performative role. So I think a lot of women feel like they look at the game commu gaming community or even the anime community and the role that has been prescribed for them is sort of this performative one. So it's like 
you naturally fall into that. Mm. Um, and so I, I feel like a lot of women are like, oh, the place for me is, is to perform and look pretty. And so that's why you see so many women cosplaying and men sort of hanging back and entering in tournaments and stuff. Um, that's just like a broad categorical thing I've noticed, but it's sort of funny because like the few male cosplayers I know, they're like, if you did musical theater in school, you know, the few straight guys who do musical theater are like incredibly <laughs> popular. And I'm like, how are men not figuring this out? Like male cosplayers is the same way. Like if you really want women to love you, all you really have to do is like cosplay Commander Shepard or something, you know? I found, it's like I, this you know, secret. Like, yeah, well, I mean, when I was when I was in high school and I, I was figuring out, uh, you know, I had a, an English teacher recommend me to get into uh, they're like, oh, what are you going to school for? And I was like, ah, you know, I, I'm, I seem to be good at writing, but I, I don't getting, you know, being a novelist isn't really my thing. Like I, it also seems like it's so hard to make any money. And they're like, well, journalism is, you know, one way that you have sort of a concrete career path that you could go down. And so then I ended up uh, joining the high school newspaper. Um, you know, some high schools, you know, set up the yearbook and the newspaper is the same thing. Ours were, were separate. And when I got there, I, you know, being, you know, a young high school kid, I was like, oh, this is a gold mine. This there are only women here. How did no one tell me this? Like, how would, how was this not part of the handbook when you uh, are starting to grow up as a high school student? And uh, it's, it sounds like it's a similar thing. It just made me laugh at the time. I had, you know, I had a steady girlfriend, so it didn't matter. But I was like, I need to, I need to tell people about this. You a photographer? You should, you should join the high school newspaper. You should join the high school newspaper. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually don't really know what high school boys were doing because I was almost <laughs> exclusively doing theater and not managing to date any of the two very popular guys <laughs> that were there so i i don't know i don't know where they all were you'll have to tell me but i guess you were in newspapers which yeah i, I didn't yeah. do in high school but i either way i don't know what they were doing i have no idea where they were so <laughs> they did, weren't did, paying any attention to me did did so getting into cosplay did that was that more and more out of uh you know being into to theater and dealing with costumes and, and performance okay For was me, it yes okay. definitely um, I, a lot of cosplay, 90% of it for me is making a costume. If you don't enjoy sitting on your kitchen floor building armor, then it is not for you. I mean, you can pay somebody else to do that stuff and just wear the costume. I know people who do that and those are the people who are definitely just into acting, but, and just putting it on and performing and that's fine too. But for me, I really enjoy making everything and I also enjoy performing and a lot of the cosplayers I know also I mean it, it's just that's why it's funny to me that people are like oh it's just about performing and posing it definitely is about that but there's so much of it that's just labor also and it kind of reminds me of um being in plays when I was younger a lot of times everybody would kind of be all hands on deck with building sets and um, usually costumes be provided. There'd be things that you'd pick out in a stock room in high school or college and you'd kind of put it together. So building costumes, not so much, but I definitely remember building a lot of sets growing up and in high school and college and sort of similar with building armor or sewing a dress or sewing pants or what have you. Uh, it's just a lot of work and it's a lot of work for a few hours of standing there wearing whatever uncomfortable thing you made <laughs> and <laughs> getting complimented for it. And I, I guess, I guess it's kind of like the compliments are your payback for whatever absurd amount of money you spent on foam and material. And then also all of the, uh, hours that you I spent travel. in. <laughs> not, not, I imagine not everything's local as well. If you're going to some of the bigger conventions. Uh, well, not so much. I mean, it, I live in Boston and there's actually a lot of stuff to go to here okay. in my immediate area. So I'm lucky in that sense. Um, there's anime Boston is the big one that's close to me. And I went to that a lot growing up. Not so much now, mostly because I cosplay a lot of video game stuff and anime Boston's really anime focused. Um, Kineticon is a couple hours away and I work for them now. I didn't always, but I liked them so much that I eventually started volunteering for them. And, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of cool stuff locally. Aresia is a sci-fi con, and I go to that one every year too. That's also in Boston, and Boston Comic Con. I mean, like you name it, there's something for it. Yeah, I guess I guess if you're near a major city, then yeah, exactly, then that's exactly. Less of a concern because there's there always going to be people, big and small things. Yeah, there are definitely people who live in the middle of nowhere, and they probably drive. I mean, I I don't know. It's 
if you <laughs> if you really want to go to a million cons, you kind of need to live in a New York or a Boston or in Atlanta or something like that. So is it, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you kind of, you, you build a costume and then you kind of, you go out there and you do it. Is it kind of a thing where you only do it one time? Like, do you have to build a new costume for every single convention or do you ever like sort of trot out one that you've made and then improve on it for the next one? Or is it kind of an untold rule that, you know, you get, you do it once and then you've got to move on to the next thing? I think uh, it really depends on what you want to do, I guess. I mean, there are definitely people who just really have one good costume and they wear that one every time. And eventually you just see them everywhere. If you keep going to cons and you're like, there's that one really great Twilight Princess Link who I see at every single con or whatever it is. And that person just famous for wearing that. Some people do that. And some people just really enjoy making stuff. I'm definitely in the category of people who enjoy making stuff. So for me, it's not that I'm tired of wearing the costume. It's that the fun part is making it. So... I want to make something else. Like if I'm playing a game and I see something that looks really cool, then I want to make it. <laughs> I don't even really care that much about wearing it necessarily, but I just want to see what it would be like to sew it or construct it or paint it. And um, I think part of that is like just being kind of a crafty person, like just liking arts and crafts. I always liked that stuff as a kid. I didn't really know cosplay existed then, but I thought it was always fun to make costumes and, um, for Halloween when I was younger and everything. And, and now it kind of is just like, oh, this is a cool thing I can do. I, I mean, I, I've also helped make costumes for friends. You know, not everybody actually enjoys making them. Some people just like wearing them. Right. That's fine, too. Is there, is there a particular costume that was the most sort of convoluted and complex to put together? Really, you know, you just didn't really have any idea where to start and then just kind of had to start throwing darts at a board until you figured out which, <laughs> which way to go with it. Um, yeah. Uh, most recently I made, um, Sergeant Calhoun from Wreck-It Ralph for Kineticon this past summer. And I had no idea where to even start. I was doing a Wreck-It Ralph cosplay group with some friends and I was like, sure, I'll be Sergeant Calhoun. But I, I just was like, I've never made armor that complex before. I have no idea what I'm going to do. So <laughs> I just like put it off. And then a month before the con, I was like, okay, I'm going to make this happen. And I, I was like, my whole apartment was covered in different pieces of foam. And I watched all of Star Trek The Next Generation while I was making this <laughs> <laughs> huge thing. And I just had pieces of armor everywhere. And I unfortunately got some paint on my kitchen floor that hopefully the landlord will never notice. Um, <laughs> I'll cut that part out too, don't worry. Yeah, sure. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's going to listen to this. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it, it just... It, it ended up being really fun and not just because I was watching Star Trek, but also because it was cool to try making a piece, wait for it to dry, hold it up, look at it in front of the mirror, be like, nope, it's not going to work and just completely start over. But you, you kind of have to enjoy that. And it isn't easy to do. And I mean, I only wore it for a few hours. I mean, I couldn't even take it off to pee. I had to like put er pee, put everything on, go out <laughs> do the event and then take it off. And then I'm probably never going to wear it again. It's like a weird thing. Like, why did I do that? I don't know. <laughs> what do you, <laughs> why what did do I do, think that was fun? Do do I don't even afterwards? really know if I can answer for you why I think that's fun, but I do. I did. Anyway, what do you, what do you, what do, you do with them afterwards? Do you, uh, do you keep all of them? Like I imagine I throwing them out them. would be, would be, like, I that'd be too emotionally destructive. Them. I keep all of them and it is ridiculous that I keep all of them. I keep all of them at my parents' house where I no longer live in huge Tupperware boxes. And my parents have seen me do plays and make costumes and make pieces of art for my entire life. And they are used to it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when I was young, there was a point at which my mom started throwing stuff out because I was like, not the kid where she could keep hanging stuff up on the fridge. She was like, no, this has to go. I can't actually be proud of each individual thing you make anymore because you're making things all the time. Um, but yeah, so my parents are, are willing to hold on to that stuff. But after a certain point, it's kind of like, I think I'm going to have to throw it away, but I don't know. I, it, it hasn't happened yet. I have so many costumes, though. One of these days, I'm expecting my mom to call and be like, can we please throw these away? And I'll be we like, need yeah, to have it's a fine. Talk. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, but the other part of that, the reason why I feel like I can't throw stuff away in some in some ways is because sometimes I can reuse stuff. Like mm. there are a lot of video game characters that look similar to one another. And I'll Don't be like, say. oh, this character has the exact same kind of hair as so-and-so. I'm going to reuse this. Like I was um, Flan from Disgaea one year. And then a couple of years later, a friend of mine wanted to be uh, Gowry from the anime Slayers. And I was like, oh, he actually has the same hair as Flan, more or less. I think I can make this wig work for you. So I like styled a wig that I already had and gave it to him, which is pretty funny. But um, yeah, those like long blonde, really, really long blonde hair with like huge stick out bangs. That look is very popular, let's say, in a lot of anime and games. So if I have a wig like that, I'm going to hold on to it because those wigs are really expensive. So um, there, and there are different things, like different costume pieces where I like have gotten something and I've been like, this isn't the right color, but I'm going to save it anyway, just in case I need it. Like, I don't know. I mean, I could go into detail, but uh, I don't want to bore you to tears. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, th- I think reading, you know, the, the, sort of the the column that you did about it you know there were two things that stuck out you know one of them was you know i think this is probably true for a lot of people that just see sort of cosplay galleries or they go to a a a convention and they see people wandering around the halls uh you know they only see one part of it which is you know maybe some of the performance that goes on in in the convention centers in the halls but you know if you're not really into cosplay you're maybe not going to go to the other parts of it were there are the competitions and you're you're seeing uh, the performance parts that you were talking about, you know, we're like recording voices and, and doing yeah. all that stuff. Like I, I, I guess suspected more elaborate stuff like that went on, but I, I had no idea how much went into it. Like the pre-recorded audio stuff is what completely blew my mind. Like it makes sense. Yeah, I just totally. I had no idea that it went that deep. Yeah. I mean, I think I feel like there are certain cons that I kind of classify as cosplay cons and then other cons that I'm like, this is a convention that's really about other stuff and there might be cosplay there. In the latter category, I would put something like PAX, which actually is is a place where I think it's like the only cosplay that people see. But PAX is not a cosplay con. There's a few cosplayers there, but there's no cosplay events there. There's no masquerade. There's no costume contest. You're wearing a costume there. You're just wearing it for fun. But at something like Anime Boston or Otakon or even Dragon Con has some of this, but I've, I've never been there and I don't think Dragon Con does as much focus on acting. I think it's mostly just costumes. But um, I know Anime Boston has a masquerade where it's required that you send in a pre-recorded skit. And um, you. I described that in the article somewhat. It's, it's more likely that you'll win if you're really good at acting like the character that you're cosplaying as. And... Um, you there's also a judging portion before this the masquerade that a lot of people don't see you go you have a judging appointment and um you stand there for maybe half an hour explaining to them exactly how you made the costume and if you didn't make the costume yourself it would behoove you to bring along the friend or person who made it and have them explain how they made the costume because then at that point that person's being judged and if you paid somebody who can't be present to make your costume and you're entering it into the anime boss masquerade you actually i don't think you can win Hmm. i i think that um you have to make it yourself i've always made mine myself so it's never been an issue for me but um i know at kineticon one year there was a controversy where and we awarded a prize to someone who had actually, it turned out, hadn't made her own costume and had lied and had said that she had, but had actually paid somebody else to make it. And we had to, we had to take away her trophy after the fact. Um, so really, you're not just being awarded. You're being awarded for putting in a lot of work. And um, for the masquerade skits, you, the acting part, I mean, I... I don't think people even know <laughs> how much that's happening. I mean, I... I had zero not to clue. Be, not that, to be that, cruel, was, that was completely like but, new to me. Yeah, I mean, not to be cruel, but there are a lot of masquerade skits that are really bad too. Oh sure. Um, there are a lot of people who are much younger, and when I say younger, I mean like twelve, thirteen, and like their skits been very badly recorded, and they there's a lot of standing around that kind of thing. Um, but then there's also on the other side of it, you've got people who are in college, clearly, or graduate school, or whatever people who act in community theater the rest of the time or actually, you know, do some freelance voice acting work, those kinds of people might also be into cosplay because it's theater. 
And those are the kinds of people who end up winning Best in Show at something like Anime Boston, which is a really, really huge con here. Thousands of people go to it. And the masquerade is like three hours long. It's a long haul to watch all of those skits. But usually they try to put the good ones at the end. So you can kind of show up and just watch the good people if you want. Or, you know, if you're a kid, you can support your much younger friends in the earlier part of the mask. Um, Yeah. And there's also these other events that people who don't know anything about cosplay might not even realize happen. Like there's the dating game. I don't know if you've ever seen a dating game at a convention. But um, Anime Boston has them. Kineticon has them. There's a convention in New Hampshire called Another Anime Convention. It's literally called Another Anime Convention. And um, <laughs> it's a good they, name. I like that. It is, it is funny. And it's, it's on the smaller side. And I have a lot of friends who work there. And they also have one. Um, it's not actually a game in which anybody's really dating. Everybody pretends to be the character that they are and improvises throughout the entire show. So, for example, you might have like Sephiroth is the bachelor and then he's got three bachelorettes and they're Sailor Moon, Lena Inverse, and I don't know, the lady version of Finn from Adventure Time. And he's sitting behind the curtain and he asks them all questions and they all answer in character. And his questions are in character, they're in character, and then there's a host who's also playing a character and that host is going to try to be funny the whole time if all the actors up there aren't doing a good enough job being funny. It's like all staged, but improvise in the sense that like Sephiroth will have his questions prepared, but the three ladies won't have answers prepared because they don't know the questions, that kind of thing. So you sign up and when you apply to be part of those events, you actually have to provide an acting resume and say how many other skits you've been in, whether you've ever won an award, provide videos and pictures if you can, and you have to already have your costume completed several months ahead of time for, of the con in order to even be considered. And um, a lot of times like you you have to you have to prove on stage that you're any good in order to ever be selected for an event like that again. Like if you do that and you flop, then you're never going to be asked back if you apply <laughs> next year. Um, but yeah, wow. I've, I have done a lot of dating games. And um, at this point at Kineticon, I, I work for them now. So Kineticon has done something sort of interesting in that they have staff performers and I'm one. So there's the guy who is the vice president of the convention basically picks a theme every year. He picks like whatever things he thinks are the most popular, like whatever games or TV shows or like if the Avengers is coming out, we did an Avengers year and everybody cosplays something from the Avengers. Mm -hmm. And each of the staff performers will help out with a different event at the con. So you'll like sprinkle in some people who you know are going to be good along with actors who are total novices. So you have the person who's asking the questions in the dating game isn't, is a staff performer, but like the other three people maybe are totally new and they're still learning. So you always make sure that you have somebody in the round who's actually on staff and has done it before. So um, not all cons do that. Kineticon does it now, but we didn't used to do it. Uh, so that's, I kind of see that position. I mean, I'm not paid for it. It's just fun, but I also don't, I can't compete anymore because I'm a staff performer. I can't, I, I can be in the masquerade as a staff performer, but I can't win. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right. right, right, right. I've like taken myself off the market in a way. And part of why I did that because it was because I feel like it's unfair for me to compete at this point. Like I'm 27 years old. I I'm not, (laughs) I started cosplaying when I was 19. I felt like I was the same age as other people. And after a certain period of time, I'm like, okay, I have so much experience with this that it's actually kind of crappy of me. If I try to compete with these (laughs) children, cosplay grandmaster, step (laughs) back, like top chef, you have to walk away. Like other people need to rise to the top. I need to help these people through. I was in your bad position. I made that. Is there like, are there sort of, sort of common mistakes that you see people making that you have to like kind of pull them aside and just say, Oh my God, I've, I've been there. I did that. <laughs> Look, this is what you do in the next time. Um, sure. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the time it's just that younger people are really nervous, especially for the masquerade. It's like, they've never done it before. Um, one of the last skits that I was in that I competed in was a few years ago in anime Boston. I was in a skit, a dance skit, um, And we did not know how slippery the stage was going to be. So we had our dance shoes, but those stages are not 
they're not a dance stage. It's not made out of wood. It's the kind of stage that they just erect on the day of and it's like plastic. And um, so we were trying to do this dance that we had practiced. <laughs> it was like every single weekend we got together and practiced it. And um, I at one point fell down <laughs> because I had no idea how slippery the stage was going to be. And I think a lot of people like they practice their skit. They think they know what the situation is going to be like, but you really don't know. And you've got two minutes to do it. And you don't know how big the stage is going to be until you get there because some cons change the size of the size of their stage every single year. You don't know what side you're going to have to enter on because usually they pick one side and they say everybody enters from the side. It's like theater, but it's it's the kind of theater where you have no idea what it's actually going to be like until you're there. And if you've never done a masquerade before, that is terrifying. Ideally, you're doing your skit with some other people who have done it before, which for me, for my first masquerade skit, I luckily I was in a skit with like six other people who'd done it before and they could all tell me exactly what was going to happen. If I hadn't known, I would have been like, I have no idea what I'm doing up here because it's even though I had done theater before, it's a really specific kind of thing. Right. Um, you, I mean, you're submitting the sound clip and basically you want to do things like making sure that you have a little bit of vamping music before the talking starts and you want to know exactly when the talking starts because you're going to have to act along with it. Um, because it's all pre-recorded. because they're, you know, I, I explained in the piece, like you don't want to have to carry a microphone around with you on stage. They're not going to have lavalier microphones for every single cosplayer. Right. Um, so that's why you would pre-record all of your dialogue at a time. So you want to try to have like a little bit of lag time so that you have time to get on stage. Also, usually when you're practicing, you don't have the costume on because you're not done with it yet. So you find out in the moment, oh, this armor is a whole lot harder to move around in than I thought it was. Or maybe something breaks on stage. I mean, anybody who's done theater can tell you horror stories about that kind of thing. You just got to keep going. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, just, it's just like anything else when you do stuff on stage, whether it's, you know, performing totally. someone else's words. It's just, mistakes are going to happen, and you don't, unfortunately, you don't learn until you screw it up. Like, I mean, that's just, not, like, no, it's never going to be perfect, but you don't, you don't know how to sidestep failure and just roll with it until it sort of happens to you. And then you yeah. just, you find out in the moment, like, how you even react to that stuff. Like, you just don't know. You can't train for that. You can't practice for it. You can do, you can only get, like, 95% of the way there. And there's always going to be 5% that you can't account for. I mean, like, you know, I, I gave a, uh, a TEDx speech recently. And the when I did the rehearsal, um, you know, I designed my, my PowerPoints so that, you know, I you know, the little screen, the monitor that I had uh, when I was going to give the speech was uh, you would see the next PowerPoint. So I couldn't, you know, see it really well. But at least I knew, like, okay, that's the next thing. So if I, for some reason I panic up on stage, like, I at least know that's the next topic. And I can, I've practiced enough times I can get through this. They swapped the computers out on the day of, and that computer they used had a different version of Office. And when I got up on stage, I suddenly realized I no longer had that preview function. And <laughs> there was no no time to, to swap that out, no time to notify anyone. There would have been no way to change anything. I was on stage. I had the next 20 minutes to speak, and you just suck it up and you move on and you know you for most people you you find a way to get through it but you know it's until you put yourself in those situations where you kind of you know the rubber meets the road on what you're trying to do you don't really know how to how to deal with that yeah exactly and when you're watching the video after the fact you don't want to have to be watching it or sending it to somebody who then has to put up with you standing on stage complaining that the computer's wrong you just got to skip that part in the talk and be like well I'm not going to acknowledge this for the audience. <laughs> they don't I know. know it's annoying. <laughs> I know that it's totally messing me up, but I have to pretend everything's fine. And hopefully the talk will still come out okay. I mean, obviously, like when you're doing a skit, you can't be like, hold on, stop the tape. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't have a microphone, so nobody would even hear you say that. It's right. going to continue no matter what. And you just have to keep up with it. No matter whether your armor is slowing you down or you fall down or whatever, you just get back up. You got to keep going. I mean... It's the same idea. And everybody in the audience is videotaping you on their little cell phones. That didn't even used to be the case. Like when I started doing this, there were no, no one was videotaping me. Like there's no videotape of the first skit I ever did. But now there's like thousands of videos of everything I ever do because anytime you're in a masquerade, everybody's taping the whole thing. So that's like a whole other layer really of like people hyper analyzing you after the fact. I mean, yeah, I mean, even, you know, 
pulling it out from just the the masquerade aspect like do you I have to imagine, uh, and I've seen this, you know, play out when you see, you know, places like Kotaku put up, you know, cosplay galleries and 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 certain, you know, women yeah, uh, I mean, characters get like. Kotaku it seems like this usually is... just puts up like photo shoots that cosplayers have paid for, though. Mm. I've noticed um, their cosplay gallery of the week is usually like straight from DeviantArt. It's like a very highly edited version of the cosplayer. Um, the stuff that's trickier is just the live shots at conventions where you're just standing there and, you know, maybe there's pieces falling off. It doesn't always look as good as you want it to. Um, I appreciate that Kotaku at least tries to seek out these uh, really refined cosplay shoots where the cosplayer has probably put it up themselves and they're like, this is my best idea of what I want to look like. Mm -hmm. um, but even that, I mean, uh, just the comments on those... <laughs> I hate that stuff. I can never read those comments. I, I always feel like I always just want to throw to those people and be like, they're not doing it for you. Well, that's <laughs> they're doing it because they think it's fun. They just yeah. think it's fun to pretend to be Lara Croft. Okay. She doesn't look like Lara Croft. It's fine. Doesn't It's not for you. She feels like Lara Croft, you know? And, and you know, well, that's, you know, one of the things I wanted to, to ask you about, um, that I was thinking about when I was reading, reading your piece was, you know, one of the first things you'll see, you know, in, in those, in the comments section, stuff like that is, especially in the much larger debate about, you know, gender and gender representation, specifically as it relates to women in games, is like people will immediately use cosplay as a way to sort of knock down the argument that, um, you know, the way, you know, some women, uh, you know, game characters represented in games is, you know, is bad and it's being exploitative and pandering too much to a male audience. And then they'll point to cosplay and be like, well, look at them. They're they're portraying these characters. And so it's not actually, you know, an issue. Right. I. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> that's, I know that's really loaded. So, I mean, I, no, mean, like, I know I'm, I'm like, where do I start with this question? Well, it's tricky because. Okay, so take Wonder Woman, for example. I've cosplayed as Wonder Woman. I love Wonder Woman. Who doesn't love Wonder Woman? She's not wearing any clothes. And that's just kind of how that is. <laughs> and it's, it, I don't think it's great. I kind of wish she wore more clothes. But I can't just put on, you know, a full suit of armor and be like, listen, this is my interpretation of Wonder Woman. <laughs> like, I can do that. That seems like something I would do, you know, like I've cosplayed Sergeant Calhoun. Like I, I can make like a full suit of armor and be like, this is my Wonder Woman. But um, the Wonder Woman that everybody knows and recognizes is the one that's wearing a bathing suit, basically a strapless bathing suit, no less. And um, it's like that with a lot of stuff. Like, what if you really think Ivy from Soul Calibur is super cool? I mean, she is really cool. She's not wearing any clothes, but she's also really a funny character. She's like a great example of camp in video games, just campiness over the top. She's a dominatrix and she's kind of a hilarious character, but that doesn't necessarily translate into the costume because once you're wearing stuff like that in real life and you're like going to the mall food court that's near the convention, you're like, oh, right. I look really weird right now <laughs> i'm wearing lingerie in public this is bizarre um and out of the context of those games you really notice like oh okay yeah the guy who's cosplaying ryu looks pretty normal i don't <laughs> um and i i mean a lot of times like the characters that i want to cosplay are just not wearing anything, but I still think they're really great characters. And that's tricky. I think it's tricky. And I think it's really too bad that the, there are just so many really great female characters in media that in order for them to be considered okay to include, they need to be sexed up in some way because that trickles down to the cosplayers too, because women wear the costume that they're supposed to wear for the character because, you know, accuracy. And if you want to enter a costume contest, I, it, I don't think you're going to win as that fan made more conservative version of the character. You're going to win if you wear the costume. Right. Um, and it, I just, I mean, Okay, so, like, take Metal Gear Solid as an example. Like, recently there's this character, Quiet, and the reason why she's wearing this tiny outfit is because the creators were like, well, we really just want her to be sexy so that when people cosplay her, like, they're really noticed. Because, obviously, if you have this 
cosplayer wearing a tiny outfit, she's going to be one of the most photographed people at the convention, right? I mean, that's a great way to promote your game. And I, I think that's probably one of the most recent examples where I've seen a game creator just actually put that out there and be like, look, we wanted her to be sexy so that when sexy women wear this outfit, we still see this character everywhere. That's going to be great. And um, that makes me feel kind of crappy personally. Like, that's that's cool, I guess, you know, for the women who want to do that. That's that's fine. But for me, I, I would kind of rather see characters wearing outfits that make more sense for what they're doing in the game. <laughs> uh, in the case of combat or fighting games, I, I love it when a character's wearing practical shoes. Not just because I want to wear practical shoes when I'm walking <laughs> around the con. I love wearing practical shoes when I'm walking around a con. I do. I hate wearing heels all day on my feet. And if I were fighting, I would sure hate it. Um, but And also, you know, I like being warm. I like not having to bare all my skin. I like, being, I like wearing a suit of armor. That's always fun. Um, but it's just like, you know, you see a whole bunch of characters that are really great and they're wearing nothing and you're just like okay well we're basically saying that you know these women are powerful in spite of the fact that they're you know wearing a bikini in the middle of winter it's like they can't they can't just wear stuff that's appropriate to the setting i don't know i i mean that's like a much longer conversation but but i mean i i guess what i want people to know is that the cosplay community is so focused on accuracy. It's like as accurate as you can be. That's like what it's all about. And that's what a lot of costume contests are focused on. So whatever a designer puts the character in, whether it's this stupid three foot high shoulder pauldron or something, it's like people are going to make that anyway. Because if the character is really cool and they're doing a bunch of cool stuff, then all of a sudden a huge shoulder pauldron is cool and everybody's going to make it no matter how stupid it really looks. And the same goes for tiny costumes on women. And, you know, it normalizes that and the cosplay community just goes ahead and is like, okay, well, you know, this is what the costume is and this is what we're going to make. So it's, it's like the same in the rest of society too. Like, you know, we've normalized this idea that women are supposed to look a certain way and, so, you know, you see it everywhere, you see it in magazines, whatever, and it trickles down and, and women in the world are like, well, this is what I'm supposed to look like, you know? And um, I don't know. I mean, the cosplay community is not immune to that. I, there's a lot of body image stuff that happens too. not even just like, you know, tiny costumes, although there are a lot of tiny costumes, but it's also like uh, this idea that accuracy also extends to your own body. Mm. And um I know a lot of cosplayers who are really into doing some dangerous crash dieting right before cons. And I don't personally do it because I'm lucky enough to have the genetics not to really need to. I, I'm a pretty small person without having to try too hard t- to be that way. But um, even even me, like if anybody's ever met me or seen a picture of me, there's enough pictures online of me. Um, they, they can just tell by looking like, oh, she's a pretty small person. But even me, people have told me that I'm too fat to be characters, which sounds crazy. But as soon as you're wearing a costume, it's like you're inviting criticism from people. Do you know what I mean? Do you, do you hear that in person or is that strictly Yes, online? in person. In person. Um, it's like they don't see you as a human being anymore. You're this character now. And that makes it more okay for them to come up to you and critique you. It's very strange. Just like you're in, by, <laughs> by being there and and the performance part of it, the the attending this, like right, in some way right. they think, well, you're putting yourself here to be judged. And exactly. given that cosplaying, you know, you know, is a lot about accuracy, that they are now as you know the crowd, you know, sort of judge and jury over what you have managed to create and present. Definitely. And it happens with masquerades in particular. There's this sort of unusual energy that happens with masquerades that's a little bit like how I imagine an old Shakespearean play would be in that people shout stuff out during the show. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not considered rude to do that at all. It happens with dating games, too, and a lot of like the bigger cosplay performance events. Um, people just shout stuff and no, there's no usher who's going to come over and tell you not to do that. There are ushers, but it's considered socially acceptable to shout things. And, um, 
in addition to people just coming up to you in the hallways and being like, hey, like, I don't know if you should have worn that. <laughs> there's also what I think is worse, which is that people will just shout at you that you're fat while you're on stage performing. I know that sounds Im impossible to somebody who never attends these events, but it's it's really not weird at all. <laughs> that that, that's just lot. accepted as like, oh, OK, yes. well, you know, peanut, you know. Peanut Gallery X has yes. that comment. Yeah, and the is... Peanut Gallery, yeah. And, um, like, I had a friend who cosplayed, like, a version of Meowth from Pokemon. And, like, she is definitely a curvier girl. And she got a lot of hate for wearing this cat costume that she made while she was standing on stage. And it was so uncomfortable for the rest of us who were on stage because, like, there's nothing you can do. You got to stay in character the whole time. And I... And, like... It just I've I've had that happen to me after the fact. Usually people will comment on the Internet a lot, but I've also had people come up to me in person and just be like, hey, you I don't really think you're tall enough to wear that or ah, you really don't look like the character or whatever. And it's like strange that people think it's acceptable to do that because yeah. I just want to be like, I'm not doing this for you. Like, if you want to take a picture, that's cool. But I am actually just standing here pretending to be princess zelda and you can participate if you want <laughs> like i don't know what to tell you man but it i think i think it's kind of like i described this in the piece a little bit i compared it to like the staff performers at disney who are getting paid a whole lot of money to look exactly like the character and like you have to be a certain height and weight and so forth um and i think a lot of people see stuff like that in popular culture like this idea of like somebody who's hired to be a character and then they look at cosplayers who are not getting paid who are doing it for fun who don't have the same body who don't fit a certain height and weight and they're like well whoa why don't you fit what i think that lightning looks like from final fantasy like why don't you look exactly like this person mm -hmm. and um if you do look exactly like that person there could be some money in it for you you could end up being a booth model and um i i do have some friends who have gone on to that route who have decided to uh go pro as it were and work professionally for booths and i do not envy them because that's basically a service position you're you have to be kind all day long to everyone no matter how rude they are it's like the worst of customer service <laughs> i have no idea why people think that's a fun job it is not <laughs> but um you can get paid to do that you do have to look a certain way and um for most other cosplayers, they don't look that way. Or even if they do, they're really not interested in taking on that service industry job where they have to basically serve strangers and be nice no matter what those strangers say. <laughs> um, most of the time, people are not there for you. They're there to have fun and pretend to be the character. And if you enjoy it, then that's cool. Um, and if you don't, then they probably don't want to talk to you. <laughs> and I think, I think that, you know, more than anything in your piece is which is not something I had considered largely because I, I just haven't paid attention to that community that much. But it is that very specific idea of um, so much, I think, of what people consume of cosplay is this very passive judging relationship of, um, oh, that does look like that character. Or that, you know, it's it's all yeah. in that that sort of like crowd uh, judgment context. Which isn't isn't to say that that's, uh, you know, a bad thing. That is, that is certainly part of it but i think the the part of your piece that really stuck out was you know your your elaboration on and sort of why you do it and and what you get out of it because i think that that's not conveyed in a picture you know a, a picture or or a video or any of those are are purely about that crowd judgment uh part of it um and doesn't you know there's not like a caption that explains well this is why this makes me feel powerful because right. i identify with this character due to x y and z and that's i think a large part of why I was curious to talk to you was to hear about that because that's just not conveyed in the normal way that we talk uh, or or uh, do coverage for cosplay. That part is completely removed from from that aspect. Yeah, and it's really it doesn't translate necessarily into the photos either. Like the fun part of doing a cosplay photo shoot for the person who's the cosplayer is acting in character and doing these poses and, you know, running around an abandoned lot pretending to be Jill Valentine or whoever you're being. And um, that fun might translate into the photographs, but 
so often the comments that I see on there are, oh, you know, her nose really isn't right for Jill Valentine or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> don't you think you might be missing the point of what this actually is? <laughs> like, it's not the point of this isn't, oh, well, I guess she had better get her nose job in order to better fit, you know, cool guy 69's idea of what Jill Valentine looks like. Like, that's actually not necessarily what cosplay is about. And that entire mentality around cosplay, that idea that, oh, well, I don't really look like so-and-so. I'm not the right, I don't have the right skin tone. I don't have the right body type. I'm not tall enough or I'm too short or whatever. Um, it's it's exactly the kind of mentality that I just hate. <laughs> and I'm like, no, do it anyway. Like, I mean, this this comes up with regard to race a lot. Like there are a certain certain facets of the cosplay community that think that like, people of color just shouldn't cosplay anybody that doesn't match their race, which mm. I personally think is ridiculous. It's about as ridiculous as anything else, really. Um, with the body type stuff, it's like, just be who you want to be, you know? Like, just as I was saying with women's outfits, like, there are so few examples of, like, characters, like, there's no, there really are so few black heroines and, like, black heroes you pretty much have to end up cosplaying as a white person because that's all there is. And so you're probably going to be really into such and such character that's white because there's so many white characters. Right. <laughs> like, so if you really want to cosplay Sailor Moon, then just that's kind of where you're at with that. Like, you're not just going to cosplay Storm every single time, right? Like, that's ridiculous to even expect people to do that, I think. I mean, ideally, we would have characters of all different body types, all different races. But... Instead, we kind of see that diversity in the cosplay scene in a weird way. Like, we see, like, the version of the Justice League that, like, you know, there's some women there being Captain America or whoever. Like, you suddenly have this weird version of a diverse group or, or what have you. I, that's the part of the cosplay scene that I always think is really cool. When you, like, see a group of people and none of them physically match the characters they're being but they all clearly love those characters and they're just putting their own spin on it. And you're like, you know what? This, this group of people actually looks a lot cooler than whatever the characters actually are, which is usually a lot of really tall, thin white people or tall, tall, pale Asian people. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, these are some real people, you know? Yeah, I'm really glad you called out uh, Cool Guy 69 and not Cool Guy 68 because that's my alias. And oh, I, yeah. I would have been very embarrassed. <laughs> No, no, cool guy sixty nine is 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 your arch rival. <laughs> that guy's. Uh, <laughs> do you do you have um, a particular you know specifically re related to that idea of you know sort of what you get out of the character? Is there a specific character you you've cosplayed that you have identified with in a way or gotten more out of than than other characters? Um. Well, I mean, Samus is like the classic example, I guess. Uh, but I've I feel like every character that I've chosen to cosplay is a character that I at least have some affinity with, and I think that's true for a lot of people. Some some people just cosplay somebody because they're like, I really like this costume, and I really just want to make this costume. I could care less about who's wearing it. The costume's just really cool, and you know, respect for that. That's that's totally fine. Um, for me, I I like to cosplay characters who I have some affinity with for whatever reason, uh, and. I, I mean, I wrote about Yuna in the column that I wrote, mm -hmm. um, and I gave some reasons why. And I've done Samus, too, and I did Wonder Woman, like I said earlier. And uh, I also did, like, a crossplay. Crossplay is, like, when you cosplay as the gender that you don't normally identify as. I did a crossplay of Brick from Borderlands, which was sort of a joke because... I'm a small person and Brick is a huge muscle dude. <laughs> and um, that was an example of me doing a costume that absolutely no one would ever recognize. Zero people knew who I was. I was not stopped a single time. <laughs> I think people could tell that I was wearing a costume, but nobody knew who I was. So that it's like, I just did it because I wanted to. And I really liked playing as Brick when I played Borderlands. That's like my play style. I tend to play that kind of character, like the huge character. Um... And, like, obviously, I cosplayed Sergeant Calhoun from Record Ralph. Like, that's kind of the character that I tend to relate to is, like, this character that's, like, a huge person, personality, and huge person. And I'm a small person. So I like feeling like I'm powerful. And uh, I think that, that comes across in the, in the kinds of characters that I pick. But as I've stated, like, I'm a small person. And so I'm short. And so I have people come up and be like, 
hey, so isn't Wonder Woman supposed to be taller than that? And like, they think they're being funny. And I'm like, well, in my head, I'm a lot taller right now. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, stranger. But <laughs> <laughs> I, and oh, and I was also the Dark Phoenix, which is like another example of a character who like, when a short person does the Dark Phoenix, it looks really weird. But in my head, I'm like a million feet tall, soaring in the air on fire. So I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I definitely feel like when I put the costume on and I'm walking around and like people are just referring to me by that name because, you know, people you don't know will just be like, oh, hey, Yuna, and like just talk to you like they know you, which is like a cool experience if you like that kind of thing. Um, it, it's it's neat. It's like you kind of get to be somebody else for, for, for a day. And the few people who come up and try to break you out of that by pointing out whatever physical difference there is between you and whoever you're trying to be, whatever, man, screw those people. <laughs> and there, and I mean, oh, go ahead. like after the fact online, that, that too is what really bugs me. And I've, I've said that like a million times, but for real, <laughs> for <laughs> those, real this time, for real, those people are the worst. Is, uh, is there, is there a costume you're, you're working on or, or what do you got coming up next? Or is that like a super hmm. secret? You can't, you're not allowed. No, to I explodes. would tell you if there was anything right now. Um, I, I think I'm kind of in cosplay hiatus right now. Uh, I was, uh, I, I might do something for Aresia. I see the thing is for Aresia, I'm usually like speaking on panels and sometimes when I have to actually cover a con as a journalist, I'm like, oh, I can't cosplay. This is going to be too complicated. So I have to kind of decide like, okay, am I just going to attend the con like as Maddie Myers or am I going to attend the con as so-and-so? And you kind of have to decide ahead of time what you're going to do. Because if you're going to go to a con as a, in a costume, you're going to have to deal with that costume all day. People are going to, keep stopping you to take photos of you so i kind of have to be like do i just want to go to aresia or do i want to like be somebody and I, I think i might actually just go but i'm always something at kineticon um we're still deciding i think what the theme is going to be next year uh and i i don't i don't think i could tell you if i even knew what it was but <laughs> <laughs> um so I'm, I'm sure i will build some sort of suit of armor for that fair enough <laughs> Um, well, awesome. This has gone way longer than I intended to, to keep you for, but this has been super fascinating and enlightening. And, uh, I appreciate you, uh, uh, being patient with my ignorant self as I try and learn a little bit more about this. But I, I think there's a lot of really interesting facets to it that, you know, I think, at, you know, sort of at the heart of what I mentioned before of just, you know, you don't quite, uh, get, cause there'd be no way to convey that in, in a photograph. And I, you know, even if it's not a community that, you know, you personally want to be a part of, I think. You, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there that uh, that I definitely wanted to know more about. So I, I sincerely appreciate it. Cool. Well, it was fun. 